Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby. Coming to you previously recorded from Florida. Not live. We went through that. I'll need to do it again. Here with my friend, my co-host, Danny King. Danny, you're in Staten Island. How's the summer going for you? How's everything hanging? How you feeling now that the off-season training schedule is finito? Uh, it's going good. Uh, just something that's just obviously kicking off. Summer vacation is going to start. We're about to enter the dry period of the NFL offseason, but we're almost there to training camp. I feel like the offseason program went good. Uh, nothing bad to report. No, nothing crazy to go go on about. No players doing anything illegal or any of that fun stuff. No players getting in trouble with the media. So that's fun. But we still yeah, got just, six weeks to get it, we, get that kind of stuff done, Danny. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. But it's just usually <laughs> with Odell, he would have said something by this point. So it's more calm now than it usually is. But yes, we're finally entering that dry period of the offseason. But as I said, we're almost there to training camp. Yeah, man, it's been a really great offseason from every standpoint. Like, everything has been positive besides Evan Ingram being a little banged up. Like, everything has been positive from. Eli and Daniel Jones, like, we've just been hearing nothing but good things. Um, you know, signing uh, Mike Remmers, the draft. I mean, it's just crazy that we're finally winding down, hitting that dead period. I mean, just everything's been great from the DB group. Just excited. To, I'm just excited for July to be over with so we can get to training camp. You mean June? Yeah, well, most of July. Well, yeah, I guess uh, you're right. Cause training camp is at the end of July. Um, yeah, I'm just excited for training camp. Dang it. Who, yeah, who isn't? If you're not excited for training camp, are you really a football fan? This is like the most fun time of year. I know. All right, so we don't have much to talk about. There was no media access the last couple of days. That being said, good old John Smilk, who works for the Giants, he had his sideline notes. So let's run through the very little bit of notes that he has. All right, so basically, today's OTAs were short. It was only three competitive periods and lasted for about an hour since the Giants didn't do anything. They were planning on going to the Yankees-Mets game on Monday, but that got rained out. So instead of doing anything, they just said, we'll have a quick practice and we'll send you guys off for your next six weeks. But his first point says the quarterbacks and receivers were on fire for most of the day and it started early during half-line pass drills. Jones threw a perfectly timed and accurate 15-yard out route to Red Ellison near the sideline. Later in the same period, Jones showed how much he has learned during the OTAs, looking off the middle linebacker, turning towards the tight end, running a quick out before quickly shifting his shoulders and headed Benny Fowler over the middle on a slant open up by the moving middle linebacker. So really just more praise from Daniel Jones. Nothing really to take from that, just Daniel Jones making good passes. Yeah, it's... Hey, we hear everything good things from Daniel Jones pretty much since like the first OTA. It's been really good. Um, yeah, and that's cool that you know he's got some time to work with the not all the starters, but guys guys who work with the ones where Red Ellison is usually alternating with the ones. So yeah, like it's just it's just great to see what he's done. Um, and I don't want to talk t- too much about Daniel Jones because that's essentially all we did last, last episode, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him a lot going forward. But yeah. Hearing good things about Daniel Jones is always good. Hot take. Oh, yeah, who would have guessed that? Uh, next point is Fowler quietly had one of the off seasons of any quietly had one of I think he meant to say best off of any of the wide receivers. He is in shape and looks like he added some muscle to his frame. 
He profiles as a perfect possession receiver in the middle of the field. Someone I, on Twitter, and I don't know who it is, but someone said that Benny Fowler, they're like saying Benny Fowler will be a quality starter for this team. I don't know who it is. They're escaping my mind. It's all right panic. Now. It is panic. I I knew football focus. I knew it was him. I was like in my mind. I'm like it maybe. I think it's panic, but I didn't want to say just in case it wasn't him. Because I roasted pro pro football focus today. By the way, (laughs) saying saying Luke Stalker was eight points better than Eric Ebron. Luke Stalker had 15 catches this year. Eric Ebron had 13 touchdowns, (laughs) and they played like close to the same amount of snaps. Ebron had 150 more snaps on the whole season. Pro football focus never goes – at least their grades never goes into what I th- I think of a player. No, yeah. Uh, like, does I, anyone I, know if Kevin Zeitler is a good right guard or would just be kind of guessing because of pro <laughs> – sorry, I don't, I don't want to do pro football focus rant. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> go on with Benny Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, uh, he seems like he's had a quality offseason. He was obviously signed off waivers after he got cut by the Patriots tw- twice. Wait, no, that was Corey Coleman, but I believe he was a Patriot. He was somewhere. I don't remember now where he was, but, yeah, he seems like, obviously, he put on some muscle. That's what you like to see, and he's going to be competing for a very wide-open third receiver spot. Obviously, one and two are taken by Golden Tate and Jalen Shepard, so he could possibly make a name for three. That's still, I think I said this about the linebacker as well, but I think that's going to be one of the most competitive battles to watch at camp. you got Cody Latimer, Corey Coleman, and Benny Fowler, all three guys who could win that third wide receiver spot. So that's just really And Slayton, be- who we talked about a lot last episode. Yeah, because Slayton's come off from out of nowhere recently. He had a terrible rookie minicamp, but now he had a quality minicamp. So Darius Slayton could even win that third spot, as you said. Let's talk about that, and then we'll go to mailback, and we won't make this show long for the sake of being long. And if you want the show to be longer, send in questions. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, this show's good, not going to be long because you guys didn't want to send any questions. I'm calling you out, listeners, our great listeners, by the way. Just more questions. That's all I'm asking. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. All right. <laughs> who, do you, who do you see winning that number three spot right now? See, I have the affection for Corey Coleman, but as I said in my breakdown, if I kind of want him to be our – returner type guy but I guess he could do both roles but what I saw from Cody Latimer in that week 17 game against Dallas is what I expect to see from Cody Latimer all the time so if he could as long as he doesn't get another injury this year because that he had he had a hamstring injury that put him on IR after the Thursday night football game against Philly and that was either week five week six and he just went miss it obviously because he was on IR and then he came back and made some key plays for us so I'm gonna say Cody Latimer is wide receiver number three. One, because he ha- he's six foot, uh, so he's got height with him. He, like, he could possibly be a red zone threat. So I'm going to say Cody Latimer wins the wide receiver number three spot. Corey Coleman will probably be the return guy right now. Yeah, it's it's so hard to say because I think they want Coleman to win the job. No, yeah. Benny, Benny Fowler, I like Benny Fowler, but I don't see him making this team uh, because they're going to keep slating on the team. Corey Coleman, I see him making the team. Uh, Latimer is most likely on the team, and then you know Russell Shepard. Actually, Russell Shepard might get cut, but any either way, I don't. I just don't see Benny Fowler making the team. My heart yeah. says Corey Coleman, but my mind is starting to say like Cody Latimer is pretty good. Although we haven't heard much from Cody Latimer um, in this offseason, like these training, these off OTAs. I don't know. I think I'm just going to go Coleman because we've we've heard some good things. 
obviously him going up to Shermer and being like, hey, how'd you use Diggs? How'd you use Thielen? I think he, I do think he realizes that this is his last chance. That if you mess this up, you will never play in the NFL again because he had, he's had chance after chance with the Bills and then the Patriots twice last season. So he realizes that, and he's just more talented than the rest of the guys. I mean, he he is the most talented wide receiver on the team. He really is. Uh, I guess you could say Darius Slayton could challenge for that, but. I mean, look at where all these guys were drafted. Latimer, second round. Shepard, second round. Fowler, or not Fowler, uh, Slayton, fifth round. Corey Coleman was the 15th overall pick. Like, and he was pretty good his first year in Cleveland. He battled injuries. So I'm going to go with Corey Coleman. Freaking prove it. Make your mark, dude. Like, I really think he's going to win this job. And I think he's going to have the coach's bias as well for all those reasons. No, sorry for uh, cutting you off before, but yes, I Corey Coleman has all, yes first round draft pick. He had a very tough time in Cleveland, and and if I'm correct, it, uh, is was he the one that dropped that pass when the Browns went 0 16? Was he that guy? Is that Corey Coleman? I'm trying. I'll to be remember. honest. No, I don't think he played much last year. I'm trying. Uh, I have no. It, it was I forgot when they went. What or, pass that, are you even talking about? It was when the Cleveland went 0 16 that season. He it was in the Pittsburgh game. Ty, it was someone that someone threw him a pass. All right, that point's useless now because I don't even know what I'm saying. But Corey Coleman, <laughs> yes, a 15 round pick. He was just basically a journeyman last year. He went from Cleveland to Buffalo, from Buffalo to New England, got cut by New England, they got re-signed by New England, they got cut by New England again, and now he ended up with the Giants. And I believe he found a home with the Giants because they want to see him succeed, and he has all the talent in the world to succeed. He's not in a very toxic situation like he was in Cleveland with Hugh Jackson. And he is he has the kick return job locked down. So I really only see this being a two-man race for wide receiver number three. Maybe Benny Fowler can make some noise. But I see it being between Cody Latimer, excuse me, and uh, Corey Coleman. And I could easily see Corey Coleman winning it. But I just feel like Something, something in my gut tell me Corey Coleman is not going to be able to win this job. He 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 proved some things to me last year, but can he prove it in a full 16-game season? I'm not sure about that yet. So once preseason actually comes, then I'll honestly give you some better judgment on that. But I, that's why I said Cody Latimer is going to win, just because he showed something in the Week 17 game last year. Yeah, he really did. And, you know, Coleman was part of the team at that point, too. So he, he could have uh, done something. Um, yeah, Cody Latimer, he's a guy, I, going into last year, I really liked Cody Latimer coming from Denver. I thought he kind of was just a little lower on the depth chart when Peyton was there because they had, you know, guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. Um, you know, Julius Thomas was a really good tight end for them. Or he was really good because Peyton Manning was a QB. And then they had those uh, the Trevor Simeon years. And it was just like, this isn't, like, this is just not a good fit for him. So I was super high on him. When he got hurt, it really was a bummer. But like you said, he had a good uh, end of the season in that Dallas game. I mean, that crazy touchdown catch. And like you said, he could be a red zone threat too. So that could give him the upper hand as well. So, yeah, I, I, I really don't think there's a wrong answer at this point for that. No, as you said, if you say Corey Coleman, you could very much be right. As you said, there is no wrong answer with this position because – there's two quality guys. One quality guy is going to win the back uh, third wide receiver job. The other one is going to become the backup to that guy. But 
The Giants, I'm not saying they're set at wide receiver, but they have a quality receiving group. Even with losing Odell, yes, Odell is a different type of player, but the Giants could have gone terrible with the wide receiver with Odell leaving, but they got a quality veteran in Golden Tate. They got Sterling Shepard, who has proved he could be the guy. And the third wide receiver spot, there's two quality guys, as I said, that could win it. So really, there's no wrong answer for wide receiver number three. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh. Like kind of like the corners, which we'll talk about later. It's it's fun to have these kind of battles in in camp, going into camp, and it's just going to make camp all the more exciting. And it's a, it's we have just a lot of cases of best man wins. QB probably isn't that case, but right tackle I think is best man wins between Remmers and Wheeler. Uh, center between Pulley and Jalapio, best man wins. Wide receiver number three, best man wins. Uh, nickel, best man wins. There's just so many best man wins. Middle linebacker, best man wins. Actually, there might be a little more bias. I don't think they like Goodson. You know, they've had Tay Davis running with the ones, who I like, but he didn't, like, make himself clear-cut. Like, he should be with the ones. So, yeah, there's just going to be a lot of best man wins, and that's always good to have. No, yeah, there's as many best man win situations. This battle in camp this year going to be fun, as you said. Right tackle, linebacker, wide receiver, uh, third corner spot. It's just going to be a fun battle to watch in training camp, and that's why training camp, I wish it was here next week, but we ha- unfortunately have to wait six weeks. But it could be worse. It could be much worse. All right, so that's all we got before we go to the mail. By the way, send in more mail questions. We're going to need it as we hit this dry period, although we're going to have some interviews and stuff. All right, we're going to do the mail. Before that, a quick ad. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes you want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, Danny. Let's get into the mail. All right, the first question comes from at SonnyChiba27. In a response to you talk about Giants rookie linebacker stats, uh, rookie, yeah, rookie linebacker stats, he said, I like Josiah Tuafayu. Uh, uh, any chance of him making the 53? I know you've done a lot of research on Josiah, and I know you're a fan of him. What do you think on him? No, um, just off rip. Like, that's, that's without injuries or anything. But Al Ogletree is a lock for the job. Tate Davis has been getting uh, one reps and all like throughout the past few weeks of OTAs. I think Bowie J. Goodson's still on the roster. At the end of the day, he is a guy who has, you know, been a good tackler and has produced. And then Ryan Connolly, the fourth pick, uh, that's four linebackers right there. And then I think they've like a lot of people are saying Mark McLaurin's going to make this team as that money backer. So that's five. And there's just no room for him. Plus I, I like him. I think he's a good pass rusher. You know, he, tra- he he actually moved over from defensive end to middle linebacker, which is cool because before I even knew that, I was like, man, this guy can rush the passer for a middle linebacker. But he did play against lesser competition. Um, 
and he he just needs to, like we haven't heard anything from him out of camp. He hasn't been a standout, whereas like it, we've heard about almost every linebacker but him and like Nate Stupar. So off rip, no, but it's it's not like a oh I, I'm not a big fan of this guy. It's because I do like him, but I do think he needs some stuff to work on, and I don't think he's a guy that we need to be worried about getting snagged off the practice squad. So do you think he could end up on the practice squad? Yeah, definitely. Eventually, we gotta just put that on paper. Because what I do with like the practice squad is it's like when like Mike and Mike did like the season predictions. Yeah. And, like they they do like the first like eighteen teams and then they realize that they they marked up too many wins and now all these other good teams are gonna be <laughs> like, Well, they have to be five and eleven to go with my like the Patriots have to be five and eleven or else <laughs> this isn't gonna work. So I keep on saying practice squad with guys. So eventually we're gonna have to do this down. We'll probably do that when we start our training camp like player profiles. But yeah. I, I think he's definitely a guy that should be on practice squad. No, yeah, I think that's where he'll end up, if anything. But as you said, well, when we get closer to when we need to decide who should be on the practice squad, that's when we'll make that decision. Uh, yeah, the next- and there's there's still a lot of moving parts to happen. I mean, as much as like we feel like we have our team. I mean, last year we claimed like three guys off waivers. Obviously, it was with a new team. We cut a lot of guys. Um, Mario Edwards was one. There was a couple other guys. So there's still a lot of stuff to happen. Injuries happen. Like, so there's so much to happen until then. But off rip with this roster and assuming everyone's healthy, I just don't see him making it. Yeah. Next question comes from at Jake Roberts 222. He asked, you guys talked a lot about DJ. Where do you stand with Eli Manning? I believe we talked about him, but we talked about Eli because we always somehow mentioned Daniel Jones. Uh, I still support Eli Manning. I still think... He's not obviously the Eli Manning of old, but he could still get it done. We He still has the arm for what we could tell. Uh, I still believe he can lead some game-winning drives. He did one against the 49ers last year, but yet he couldn't do it against the Colts or the Cowboys, but I think he could still do it if need be. And now he has a quality offensive line in front of him, and he has playmakers around him. So really, there's no excuse for Eli. This team should be a competitive team on paper right now. Obviously, this is different when we get onto the field, but the offensive line, as I said, is solid. There's playmakers around him. He's got a future Hall of Fame running back behind him. Eli's got no excuses, so I got faith in Eli, though, to get it done this year. Yeah, you just said it. He's got no excuse this year. Last year he did have like, and not just I'm not just saying like excuses. Like all these guys have all their excuses. He has some valid excuses. The offensive line was a problem last year. Like we can't, but at the same time, Eli was a part of his own problem too, where he was uber conservative. Where and I I know there's times where he had to be because of the offensive line, but there was times where he had you know Odell and other guys running crossing routes wide open and Eli just didn't pull the trigger. So, and that's I, his arm talent's still there. And that's the thing you like you, that worries you when you have a guy that, that is, you know, 38 years old, like, Oh my gosh, is, did his arm fall off this year? So from whatever we've seen, he still has the arm talent to get it done. He's got the weapons around him to get him done. He's got the best offensive line we had in a few years. We got Saquon Barkley second year in Pat Shermer's system. There's no excuses this year. I still believe Eli's the starter. I know we kind of dove into, like, could Daniel Jones start last week? Like, the further I get away from it, it's like, no, nah, that's, pro- that's probably not going to happen. You know, we, you know, I think I think everyone overreacted, but Pat Shermer left his comments open enough to let us, like, overreact in a valid way. But, yeah, I, I think Daniel Jones is – or, sorry, Eli Manning is the starter for this team. And I'm, I'm confident in him. Like, I, I think he can get it done this year. 
And like you said, there's the offense is kind of set. Besides, the only question mark really is the QB position and right tackle, but it's still an upgrade of, of what we've had. Um, either Chad Wheeler gets better or Mike Remmers is better than Chad Wheeler. Either way, that's an upgrade. Um, so, yeah, if injuries don't happen, um, I expect Everett. We'll talk. Actually, I want. We did talk about Evan Ingram. I keep on getting it messed up because we record the, the mailback first. Uh, yeah, so I like Eli. He, you know, obviously, he's the quarterback of my youth. And I believe in him. And it's not just some like bias, like, oh, like Eli, 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 because I've been willing to say some things about Eli where he was over conservative last year and the self sacks were worse than they had ever been, which I don't necessarily blame him at 37 years old. But now with Daniel Jones breathing down his neck, there's no like you got to go. You got to go or this is going to be done quick. No, yeah, he, uh, as we we both agree, he's got no excuses. But to that uh, Daniel Jones started thing, it was uh, Art Stableton brought up a good point. This is like just say Daniel Jones starts. He said maybe Pat Shermer did that just to like have it a, a, a part of the team's mind that like he's not just throwing out there a rookie. He's throwing out there someone that earned the job and beat Eli Manning. He said because say like they had Daniel Jones, they just were like having him play with the second team, or that's what he's doing. I forgot how he described it, but he said like say like they just threw Daniel Jones in, just like just say ah yeah he's there. We just want to get him playing time. Maybe the team doesn't feel as confident. They think they're playing with like a backup. But if they say he could win the job, that the team thinks that he earned this job, he defeated one of the best Giants quarterbacks the Giants have had in their history. So it's like a mental mindset for this team. That was just something I kind of found interesting and agreed with with Art Stapleton. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And I think because remember, remember before the draft and before free agency when Dave Gettleman said they had a long meeting with Eli? Yeah. And – and what's something that was very interesting is Eli's press conference pre-draft, and we didn't really buy into it at the time because we like we didn't really watch much of Daniel Jones at the time. We didn't like Haskins, so we just didn't think it was going to be QB. Or if we did, we thought it was going to be, or at least I thought it was going to be Josh Rosen. You didn't. But he said, he's like, I expect him to take a QB in this draft, which was kind of wild, which is like, are you just giving this away? But I, But back to my point is that I believe in that meeting they told him, like, they probably might have known at that point, like, hey, we're going to take Daniel Jones if he's there. And told him, like, this year wasn't good. The year before last year wasn't good. If you do not, if he's better than you, we're going to play him. And I think Eli, just as much as anybody understands that, that if the guy behind him is better, they have to play him, which we don't see that happening right away. But, like, it, it's this is going to be a talking point every week, and t- unless we start out two and zero, two and one, three and one, like it's just going to be there until that happens. And even then, you'll hear people bringing it up. No, yeah, this this will never go away. This is what Art said. I may have described it confusingly, but this is the summary. He said, "Rest of the rest of the locker room is watching. You declare Jones the backup in June. Some vets will only see him as much." So basically, he's saying like, if you declare him the backup in June, to say Eli is starting no matter what, but say he just gets thrown in there, Jones, then like the team is like all thrown off. They're like, "Oh, we're just playing for backup. What's the point of this?" I agree with Art in that aspect. And as you said, yeah, if Daniel Jones is playing good, I'm not Daniel Jones. Eli Man is playing poorly then you got to put Daniel Jones in. I'm sorry. At this point, what do we have to lose by just keeping him on the sideline? This isn't a Davis Webb, Kyle Aletta situation. This guy has all the tools in his arsenal to be the future QB. And if we're on free, I don't want to see Eli Manning. I want to see Daniel Jones. I want to make sure we made the right decision and drafted him. Yeah, and I think most people are with you on that. So, yeah, that's where I stay on Eli. 
still believe in him, but he also has to like. There's no more. There's no more excuses. Get it done. No. Next question comes from uh, at Coach T O B C N Y C. He asks a question: Will Ingram shake off the injury bug and possibly be the main benefactor of OBJ not around? Or does C.J. Conrad take away some touches with good first impressions so far? Obviously, we talked about Ingram in the beginning part of the show. Oh, I forgot that this was a question, so we could just do it now. Yeah, that's uh, on air. That's on air producing editing, baby. <laughs> uh, but do I think Ingram will shake off the injury bug? Upset. I'm going to say no, just because it, it's sadly a part of him. He just can't seem to get rid of it. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. But when Evan Ingram is in there, he has made plays. Like, I do remember when he dropped that ball in the Washington game that he should have caught. It was almost like a wake-up call for him. And then he just became, like, a really beneficial tight end to this team. Eli finally got on in a groove with him. And he made big plays. He was sprinting down the middle of the field using the seam. He's just a fast guy. He's not a tall guy, but he has speed. He's a matchup nightmare for linebackers. And that's why I'm like really hoping when we play Washington, they use Landon Collins as the same way we used him last year and have him to try and take on Ingram. I believe Evan Ingram can beat Landon Collins every time. I believe that could be a George Kittle type matchup for Landon. I'm not saying Evan Ingram is like George Kittle. Just let me make that clear. You get my point, though, with how George Kittle exposed Landon Collins. So I think Evan Ingram, he's going to have the injury bug. It's with him. But does C.J. Conrad, maybe, I don't see C.J. Conrad making a difference. I see Scott Simonson winning the number two spot. And I even see Red Ellison keeping with this team just because Eli and him have a little groove going. I feel like Eli feel comfortable with Red Ellison out there at the field as well. Yeah, and Red Ellison can come in. He can shift into the backfield as a fullback. Yeah. Whereas C.J. Conrad, I'm, I'm not confident in him with that. I think, like, you, it's funny because I do, and I'm not, like, being like, these people. But it's like I funny. I, it's funny because I see people being like Conrad's a good blocker. I was like, I don't know. I think his blocking's a little sketchy. And I know it's just we, everyone assumes the second, third string tight end that's white is a good blocker. It's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, to Ingram, the injuries, man, they are an issue, and it sucks that he's not out. And I get like not playing him in these OTAs if there's like something there. But the fact that there's something there already, it just sucks, man. That with his first round pick, this talent. Is always bo- like bothered with injuries. It's been non, not nonstop, but it's been a lot. And I think it, I don't know if he shakes it. Like you said, like if, like what makes you think it's going to shake it now? It doesn't mean I don't think he can have a full sixteen game season. It just makes me think like, man, like this might be a part of him. But I was digging on some Ingram stuff in the past couple of days, and we've talked about how his last four games without Odell last year were really good. You know, eighty yards per game. Um. But I went and looked at all the tight ends in that range, and I'm like, okay, like, like how much were they targeted uh, compared to Evan Ingram? Evan Ingram was the third most targeted uh, behind only George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. So this isn't some, like, Fugazi uh, – what does Mike Francesca say? Fugazi? I don't know. It's not yeah, some, It's not some like, useless stat. He was behind the two – maybe the two best in the – well, they had the two best in the game now that Gronk's gone. And out of the top five, I didn't go past the top five. He might have been second overall. But out of those, out of just those five, he had the second best catch per target rate behind only Ian Thomas of Carolina, who that's a guy I got to check out because he was really good in those last four games without uh, without Greg Olson. So yeah, I like healthy Evan Ingram. I expect a lot now. Obviously, without Odell there, it also didn't mean. You're probably wondering 
why I just stopped mid-sentence. It's because if I didn't stop the recording, I literally would have pooped my pants. That's just a little... That's a little <laughs> behind the scenes of Talking Giants. I literally uh, tried to get up. I was like, I can't do this while I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my thought... But I did remember what my thought was. I was talking about uh, Evan Ingram's usage in those past four games. So, and I used those last four games because Odell wasn't there. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to have that like that same usage. Uh, only for the fact that, because Golden Tate's back there. Golden Tate is there and he's going to take up catches that a guy like Benny Fowler or Cody Latimer just aren't going to get garner that kind of attention. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I stand with Igor, man. I'm super excited for him if he's healthy. Like, I really am. It's, like, I'm, I'm more excited for him than Sterling Shepard. Golden Tate, while I do think he'll be the number one target, I think Evan Ingram could be the biggest weapon in the receiving game. So, yeah, it's it can be such an amazing year for him. And I even predict him to go to the Pro Bowl because I'm just – I'm assuming healthy. Because I'm not going to predict injuries. But, I, but like, if, if he's healthy for 16 games, I think for sure he ends up in the Pro Bowl because I think he's going to have a lot of big plays. And with o- Odell there, he's going to be used in the red zone um, because that's that's really – like. That's the biggest part of Odell being gone is he was such a threat in the red zone to get touchdowns. Where Golden Tate's not really a guy who gets a bunch of touchdowns. Shepard's never really been that guy. So Evan Ingram kind of has to be that guy. So yeah, I'm super excited for Ingram. But yeah, I don't I don't think Conrad battles uh to take reps away from him this year. But yeah. So but I do like Conrad and I think there's a good chance he can make the roster. No, yeah, he could probably make the roster mainly as practice squad guy, most in my opinion. But yeah, as I said, sadly, Evan Ingram, he's injury prone. It's just going to be with him. But if he can stay healthy, he has all the potential to dominate for this league and dominate the NFC East in that matter. Because let's look at the tight end situation in the NFC East. Uh, The obvious one, Zach Ertz, he's quality. Him and Carson Wentz have something going. Uh, the Cowboys have Jason Witten. Who knows what he's going to be like? He's How old is Jason Witten? He's like 50. That's a joke, obviously. But how old is he? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I can't pull it out of my head like I would a rabbit right now. Yeah, so Jason Witten who, and the Char- uh, not Chargers, the Redskins, they don't even have a tight end because, uh, well, they do have one in Jordan Reed, but he's always injured. Uh, well, Jason Witten is 37. So, like, really um, – Evan Ingram, he could be one of the better tight ends in the NFC East this year. One, if he stays, really is all if he stays healthy, because that's really all the biggest issue I really see with him. Uh, yes, he has little things, but health is the biggest issue for Evan Ingram. And if he could stay healthy, then the, he could really do a lot of damage for this team. Yeah, and catch the ball. No more drops, Ingram. Yes, that no, has, Like Eli Manning would say, no more. Yes, no more drops. The next question comes. To, wait, next question. Final question actually comes from Poppy underscore twenty. He asked, "Good morning, fellas. Well, good evening as we're recording this for the last podcast. I asked about your prediction on the starting front seven. I'll keep it on the defensive and ask your predictions in the secondary. The feeling is Jack Rabbit keeps the starting job, but how do you guys think the rest of the secondary shakes up?" Uh, we'll start with the corners first because uh, the safety. You know, we'll just say our safeties first because it's pretty obvious. Jabril Peppers and Antoine Buffet, Bobby. I guess that's the same with you. Yeah, that's that's the most like those are the most locked in positions essentially. Yeah, yeah, those are are obvious. And then the corners, as you said, Jack Rabbit keeps his started job. It's then really from there is where things get interesting. Uh, there's no way the Giants keep DeAndre. I probably said maybe it's DeAndre Baker gets on the bench, but I like to contradict myself, but. And more I'm thinking about it, DeAndre Baker, he's a first-round draft pick. He seems like 
he has been opening eyes at camps, and once training camp starts, when he can really start to be the physical guy that he can be and not be restricted, he's going to win over everyone. He should be also starting come week one. And then the slot, because I'm going to say DeAndre Baker starts outside. For the slot, it's really between Sam Beal and Grant Haley, and I have an affection for Grant Haley, but I also have an affection for Sam Beal. That's really tough because I, I just really don't know with the first spot. I'll let you say yours, and maybe I can make a final decision. No, you say yours. Cause... Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll go. I'm gonna say Grant Haley. Grant Haley. Okay, because we agree a lot, and I just I just want to say something different, yeah. um, which actually works out because I was gonna say what I was gonna say. Yeah. So safeties, Bethea, Peppers. That's we don't even need to talk about that. Janoris, he's getting paid too much in the money to not be a starter. I agree with you 100% with DeAndre Baker. He's got to be the starter. He's the guy we traded three picks to move up into the first round for. And he's moved ahead of Sam Beal in OTAs. And that's it's always good to see uh, a rookie doing that early because that means, like, because they, they like to go with seniority when it comes to these things. And that uh, he's already jumped Sam Beal. That's good. And Sam Beal has been impressive. So it's even better. So I, I like DeAndre Baker a lot. I think he's going to adjust to the NFL really well especially going against guys in the SEC like Jerry Judy and all those guys from Alabama and, and guys from the from Florida and, and LSU. So he's going against like NFL-level talent, or at least as close as you can get to it. The nickel, so we got Grant Haley, Sam Beal, and Julian Love. And I think they like Sam Beal so much that they might try and work him in there that somehow. I mean, Dominic rogers Cromartie wasn't like planned to be our nickel corner. But yet, that's where he ended up at when when he was with us. I think Sam Beal ends up there because I think they want to get the best players on the field. And I think Sam Beal is a guy who, after being out for a year and watching and watching, he's a guy who could learn that nickel position. Um, And then eventually moving outside once we move on from Norris Jenkins. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Sam Beal kind of just as a dark horse for that because I think they like him so much and they, they, they want to get him on the field any way they can. No, the Giants definitely like Sam Beal. I looked up uh, Grant Haley's uh, stats from this year. He only played in 10 games, but in those 10 games, he got 33 total tackles. He had three tackles for a loss, 29 solo, no interceptions, but he started in nine of those 10 games, so clearly as an undrafted free agent, they have faith in Grant Haley, but as you said, DeAndre Baker, the supplemental draft pick, some people consider him the best supplemental draft pick since... Josh Gordon, but Terrell Pryor, uh, Terrell Pryor as well. I'm gonna. The reason why I'm saying Grant Haley is because one, I just feel like maybe he's more suited for that nickel slash slot corner position than Sam Beal. Really, Sam Beal, sadly, he's in the unfortunate position of waiting for Janoris Jenkins. Because if DeAndre Baker was not drafted, he would be starting this season. But since they drafted DeAndre Baker, you you're gonna want to start him. He sadly just waited for Janoris Jenkins to leave. Once he's gone, then DeAndre Baker, will, if he's long as he's good, will slide over and take Jack Rabbit's spot. Sam Beal will take over for DeAndre Baker's spot. And then slot and nickel, once again, that could still be up for grabs with Julian Love and Grant Haley still around. We got too many freaking good cornerbacks. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. Like, and, I want to, like, we can't even talk about Julian Love, who's a guy that, pun intended, I love. Yeah, so we have we just have too many good corners, and it's going to be a very interesting camp. Now, injuries kind of have a way of figuring these things out. We don't know. Maybe Jenkins is a the guy they might trade at the deadline. There's so many things that can happen with this secondary. 
during before the season, during the season, and then obviously next year. So yeah, I'll go with Sam Beal. You got Grant Haley, but besides that, we are on the same page. Is that it? That for the mail is it for the mail. All right, guys, we're going to be doing some different stuff now that OTAs are over. In fact, we got a couple, a few interviews scheduled. I'm not going to say them until they're recorded because I've done that before and then guys cancel and I get really aggravated. I think you guys have seen a little bit of my anger online and that <laughs> gets on my nerves more than anything is people canceling interviews, especially when they do it last minute. So I won't say who they are until they're on the show, but just look out for it. It should be fun. Um, not play. I don't have any player stuff booked right now, honestly, because I'm just so over player interviews. They all suck. Unless they're retired, guys. So, yeah, we got some cool stuff planned. And until next Tuesday, we'll get back to Tuesday shows at least now that we don't have to wait for OTAs. Let's go. Big Blue.